Greetings, everyone. We're on our fifth talk now. This one's entitled Discernment of Spirits. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would enlighten our minds and our hearts. Send the Holy Spirit to be with us as we contemplate these truths of our faith. Help, them, help us to apply them to our life. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, discernment of spirits. So we talked about the importance of listening. Listen, O Israel, the first commandment. And that's how we learn to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength. And then seeing, seeing God in faith as a light, how faith allows us to see supernatural realities, the reality of who we are in God's eyes, the reality of who God is, His love for us, His grace that's coming upon us at all moments. Faith opens our eyes to that, puts us in the truth. Now, how do we listen? Who are we listening to? And in seeing, what are we seeing? How can we make sure that these are the truths of the faith? How can we make sure that these, this faith is leading us into the fullness of truth, into Christ himself? So the listening and the seeing, these are the ways that faith is going to give us that rebirth, that rebirth into supernatural life, following commandments of God, uh, the divinization of our soul by love, by truth, by allowing God to work in our life, by allowing God to uh, do His work in us, we're being we're being given birth, being born again, born from on high. This change of environment from the natural to the supernatural, the ways we talked about those are, in a sense, one and the same as well. What is natural is supernatural. So it's really a matter of going from our corrupt nature, our fallen nature to our healed nature, redeemed nature, which is in Christ and which is divine. Christ who took on our humanity to raise us to his divinity. So this healing takes place as we listen to God, as we begin to see the truth of who God is by this gift of faith and what's going to help us, what the tool is, the method, but much more than a tool or a method, a lifestyle, a way of life, is discernment of spirits. This, this way of discernment of spirits has been first of all, in humanity since the beginning of, <laughs> since, since the very beginning, and it's been in the church since the beginning, but there's been certain experts, certain men and women called by God to develop uh, what that means to discern spirits. It's in the scriptures already, First John and uh, other places of what it means to discern the spirits and the Gospel of Matthew, how we see the we were able to discern by the fruits, by the actions, by uh, what we can observe. 
There's also an interior discernment as well. And like I said, certain masters, certain saints have been given to us, been called by God to develop this and to give us certain um, treaties or ways, uh, developments, and how we can um, better apply this to our life. So, for example, one of the masters was St. Ignatius of Loyola, known for his, uh, the way he would write about and help others to discern the Spirit. So the question with discerning of the spirits is, yes, who are we listening to? What are we seeing? And it's really to know ourselves. There's got to be a attentiveness, a consciousness of our motivations, our feelings, the thoughts that come into our mind, the passions that we feel. Love, hatred, anger, fear, sorrow. And a question behind this, a question that is wanting to know the truth. There's a certain indifference when we ask these questions to ourselves. A certain indifference to everything except the truth. Lord, what is moving me? What is giving me this desire, this impulse? These strong feelings, how did this come about? In discernment of spirits, there's a certain reflection that we do with our own mind, our own reason. And there's also this aspect that we bring to prayer and ask God for his light. And not that God is going to answer directly, specifically. But we kind of refine our, our sense of how God is showing us the truth. So what is moving us? What are the possibilities in this discernment of spirits as we come to know ourselves? and use our reason and bring it to prayer? What can move us? What can give us um, impulses, inspirations, desires? There is the world. There is our own self. There's the good spirit and there's the bad spirit. Or another way to kind of sum it up in three, three different ways we could put it, uh, kind of give a more clean distinction there. There's the good spirit, there's the bad spirit, and there's the human spirit. Now, St. Ignatius was much more concerned with is it from the good spirit or from the bad spirit when we say the good spirit we're talking about the holy spirit or we can just talk about god god is spirit god is moving us the good spirit we talk about the bad spirit we're talking about the devil we're talking about the fallen angels 
those have a certain influence on the world and on us. In the mix there too is the human spirit. And all these are tied together, obviously. God, the fallen angels, and ourself, the human spirit. And the human spirit, um, that can that can have all kinds of degrees of goodness or badness to it. Because <laughs> we are fallen creatures. We are raised up by God through our baptism and through our faith. We... Our, our real nature is in God now. But because that inclination to sin, to selfishness remains, and we still have wounds from the past that aren't healed, that these, these factors are all moving us to in our human spirit. God can only move us to the good Fallen angels are only going to move us towards destruction, towards evil. And so it's for us to, to discern these factors. Now let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Here, St. Paul speaks on the good fruits and the bad fruits. And so this is one way we can always discern whether it's the good spirit or the bad spirit. We know by fruits. So what is going on with us? So Galatians 5.16 But I say, walk by the Spirit, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you would. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are under you are not under the law. Let's pause there for a second. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So St. Paul is making that distinction that there, there, is no, there is no law that's going to stifle, stifle your freedom. St. Paul is also trying to help um, both the Jews and the Gentiles understand that the, the law, the Torah, the dietary laws, all these things have passed now. They've been fulfilled in Christ. And so if you're still held down by these things, which you can and can't eat, and trying to fulfill, fulfill the law that was given by God to Moses, that you haven't understood, you haven't realized what's been given to us in Christ. In Christ, everything has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been poured into our hearts and we cry out, Abba, Father. We have a Father in heaven who now is going to lead us. Lead us by the Holy Spirit 
into the fullness of truth, this realization, this maturity that we have in the Son, so that we can live like Him, think like Him, act like Him. And in this there is a great freedom. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And as we walk in the Spirit, we are, we are free. There's a great freedom. There's still the boundaries, so to speak, of, of the law. Do not kill, honor your father and mother, uh, etc. But we have a great freedom. I, I would even dare to say a total freedom within this realm, within the boundaries, the rules of the game. In any sport game, you have the rules, the boundaries. You need those to actually have the game. But you have a great freedom in the way you play and the creativity of that. So by having our one aim as to live in Christ and to love as He loves, and in our own unique way, we are being led by the Spirit and we are being led into freedom. The things that enchain us, that imprison us. It's verse 19, Galatians 5, 19. Now the works of the flesh are plain. Immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, selfishness, dissension, party spirit, party spirit envy, drunkenness, carousing, and the like. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I pause there for a second. So the works of the flesh, of our fallen human nature, of our selfishness, our pride, our sinfulness. And this is all going to be tied in with the evil spirit. The fallen angels who God allows to... Uh, surround us, so to speak. St. Francis of Assisi, one day he kind of woke up and saw the angels surrounding him, the, the good and the bad, I believe it was. But he saw just a multitude of the evil spirits surrounding, tempting people, um, trying to lead people. And according to the person's disposition, uh, whether they were open to evil and cooperating with it, there was different relationships with these evil spirits, the ones who were resisting and uh, trying to live a godly life were in a battle, but protected, protected by the good angels because they're cooperating with God's grace, etc. So there is this spiritual battle going on and the angels play their role, the good and the bad. And um, according to our free will and our cooperation with God's grace, uh, we're going to be friends with <laughs> the good the good or the bad. And so they team up, though, these evil spirits. So according to our fallen human nature and what we cooperate and how we move ourselves and allow ourselves to be moved, they're going to play, play their role. But nothing is outside of God's wisdom and God's providence. And these angels, whether good or bad, are all under God's dominion and can do nothing without either the explicit will of God or the permission of God. So that's always to keep in mind God is in control. And it's for us to allow Him to lead. 
Now, St. Paul warns us that these things have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. It's impossible. The kingdom of God is truth, light, and love. And these other things have no part in it. So for us, it's to be led deeper into the kingdom already. To be watching and waiting so that when the master comes, an hour we don't expect, we are already living in him. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Okay. So there we have the fruits of the Spirit. So St. Paul is kind of talking here, kind of as we really enter into maturity, maturity in our life with Christ. Because first of all, the fruits are already something of a... of an accomplishment, of the the sap that's run through the tree, and uh, after spring, summer comes the fruit. After a time of development, and there too, along with the, those who belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now we're on our way to be to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. And obviously, St. Paul is talking about the evil passions and evil desires because passions and desires are a part of our life and we need those. They're a part of us and they're integral to our life of faith. And it's to to channel those and to allow desires and passions to be led by the Spirit and by our human reason. As Plato would say, the charioteer of our desires and passions that it's our mind, our heart that chooses and that chooses the direction of our life. And while we can't control this kind of wild horse of the passions and the desires and the thoughts that come to our mind, at least we have some control, some kind of reign over, over it. And it's not by beating necessarily the horse of our desires and passions and all these unruly things we see. That'll cause that horse to just be a bit decrepit and lame and not really wanting to cooperate. You might be able to beat him into submission, but it's not going to be a horse that's fully alive. And so it's to gently but firmly always bring that back, those wayward desires, wayward passions, to following the spirit of love. That's where our discernment comes in. First of all, we have to know what it is and who it is that we're following. That's why in our life there, there needs to be a constant nourishment of our faith through study, through meditation, Lexio Divina, divine reading. That's especially, it's just the jewel, the treasure of our life of faith, of, our, of this nourishment that we can have because there 
meditation and contemplation go together, prayer and also this uh, enlightenment that comes from the revelation of God's word. So a daily time of Lectio Divina. If you want, you can Google uh, Evangelical Catholic 1% Challenge. It gives a very uh, easy way to do Lexio Divina, and just the main points of what that is. It also gives you a 30-day kickstart with uh, different gospel passages that are more easy to meditate on. Evangelical Catholic 1% Challenge. Because 1% of your day is about 15 minutes. Can't you give 1% of your day to Lexio Divina? I'm begging you. 1%. All right. Um, Spiritual discernment. So who are we listening to? What are we listening to? This nourishment is going to help us understand better um, what is in line with God's will, with God's love, with who God is, His revelation that comes to us. So scripture, along with the catechism, absolutely necessary catechism, we supplement that with spiritual reading, especially those who really speak to us, the saints. And it's good to find modern writers that um, really speak. Now, I can't help but recommending somebody who... um, and it's not just me. I think he really is a spiritual master. Now, he's still living. God forbid that no <laughs> scandals come out or anything. I haven't heard of anything. He seems completely clean. Um, but it's Father Jacques Philippe, who is in the community of the Beatitudes. He writes little books, little booklets on prayer, on spiritual life, etc., that... Um, is so good, simple, nourishing. So I can't help but recommend him. But otherwise, it's to find those saints that really speak to you. Your brothers, your sisters, they really do become friends of yours as you come to know them and, and read their works. Anyway, for you to decide with all this, because there's so much to do, so much to read, so much that you can do. And you have so little time, I know. But again, that is a real discernment in itself. To sit down with that silence, recollecting God, pray, come up with a real plan that's concrete. What can I do for this next month or this next season of my life, this next concrete time? What am I going to do for the next month? When am I going to do it? Where am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? Etc. Write it down. And then after that month or whatever the time period is, you come back and you reassess and you come up with another goal, another plan. Okay, so spiritual discernment. Discernment is a lifestyle. And it's more in our heart than in our brain. The discernment of spirits. Discern with the heart. There's certain things um, St. Ignatius goes into that we won't have time now to kind of see what is this discernment of spirits that um, St. Ignatius talks about. Just real briefly, I'll say that he, he speaks of three types of discernment. The first is one that's really clear. This is a grace from God that's undeniable, that doesn't need discernment. 
It's like St. Paul when he's on his way to Damascus and the Lord comes to him, knocks him off his horse, and he's overwhelmed by the grace of God. So it's very rare that that happens. So St. Ignatius talks especially more about this second type of discernment, which is a choice between at least two goods. So what, for example, what way should I pray and how much time should I do it? You're going to have all kinds of choices with that. And now you need some discernment to see what's going to be the best. And then third type of discernment is where there's a choice, but there's no kind of clear indications for you. So back up to that second type. That second type is you have certain goods before you. Um, this could be vocation too. This could be a choice of job. I have uh, different uh, possibilities of a career in front of me or different possibilities of um, churches I could go to, retreats I could attend. And you bring it before the Lord, you pray about it, and you'll get certain confirmations, you'll get certain um, consolations, feelings of peace, etc., that will confirm that. And so that's your type of discernment. And then the third type is when you don't really get any sense of peace or any sense of direction from the Lord, and you just, um, you just have to choose between them. And so for that, you can write down, you know, a column plus and minuses and just kind of weigh it with your mind. Uh, you haven't got a light from God, so you just go ahead and choose. And you just leave it to God. He, he could have easily given you a sign, a confirmation, but he didn't. So you go ahead in peace and just choose the best you can. A lot more to say about that, but that would be another conference. So real quick, we'll just do the fruits um, and talk about consolation and desolation. When we talk about consolation, that's where we have that sense of love, of peace, etc. That's from, from God. And so the first fruit of this consolation is that we love God above all things. Second fruit that St. Ignatius talks about is when we have tears, either from consolation, since we, have, since we are loved by God, or tears that come from seeing how we have hurt God or hurt others and made them suffer. The third fruit of consolation, this consolation that comes from God, is that it makes us grow in faith, hope, and charity. And then contrary to consolation is desolation. And the main sign that we're in desolation, and this is not coming from God, this is coming from the evil one, is that we are in agitation. This is contrary to the peace that God gives us. Peace is that great sign, that great confirmation of being led by the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Agitation is the opposite. It's contrary to peace. And so when we're agitated, that's where we really stick to what we have resolved to, resolve to do in the times of consolation, when we are led by God and we made a good discernment with God. That's where you make your discernments, where you make your choices, your decisions in consolation always. Never make it in agitation. Never make it in desolation. To change your plans, to... To uh, tell somebody how you feel, how you were hurt, uh, to blow up on somebody in anger. 
all those things. Don't make those decisions in agitation. Definitely no resolutions because that's going to be a hole that you're going to dig for yourself. It's another thing that when you just burst out and you do an impulse, when you're impulsive in these times of agitation, that's more normal, more human, and it's something that can give us um, a lot of pain, but it's also those opportunities for humility, which is the foundation of our life. And to say, Lord, help me, <laughs> I can't overcome this. And that's not going to do us much damage. Uh, we immediately use those as opportunities to come back in confidence to God. So spiritual discernment is never absolutely black and white. It's not like a scientific law or mathematical. There's no total assurance. Because again, it's a lifestyle. It's a coming to know the heart of Christ. Coming to live as Christ did. It's to be a man, it's to be a woman that listens, that obeys in love. If you want an absolute black and white, that means that you want to be in control. And if you're looking for absolutes, you're going to be led by fear. Now, where does this come from? From the devil, from, from God, from myself? To be absolutely sure in the mathematical, scientific sense is to be led by fear because you want the control. But this spiritual discernment is to give our control, our surrender, our assent to God to lead us. And we do our best to follow. And that's why we want to know and we want to see. Not so that we know, control, and have our concepts, but that we are led by the Spirit, and we are led into freedom through thick and thin and through this, this desolation, this agitation, these different spiritual battles that can come, but we come out more free, purged, more pure, as God's fire refines us. This is where spiritual accompaniment can really come into place, and friends that you can open up to, people that you can trust, uh, that's going to help you with your discernment as well. Okay, for the meditation today, 1 Corinthians 2, 6 to 16. First Corinthians chapter 2, 6 to 16. And... Write this out, journal this out when you're doing your meditation. Be attentive to what's moving you. Think of certain instances in your life, choices to be made, feelings that you have, deep passions that are moving you. Write it down. What is, what is it that you feel is moving you? And the grace to ask for is to discern the spirit that is working in you. Sorry, rather use that as the grace to ask is to um, for these different areas that you that you wrote down and you looked at 
to see, to ask specifically, okay, good spirit guide me, lead me. And to see if any concrete plans, resolutions come from that. And to write those down and to put those into practice. Okay, bless you. Let's lift this all up to our blessed mother and ask that she keep all the good seeds, that anything that wasn't from God be washed away, and that uh, this be nurtured and grown by her motherly protection. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son.